Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. I appreciate you being with us today. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty, for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Give me a call or visit bullrealty.com. Well, today we have a special show for you. You know, I think we're always trying to skate where the puck is going, right? We're always trying to figure out what's down the road. And it's a bit of a special time, I think, you know, with what's going on politically and with tariffs and kind of the division politically. Uh, we're at uh, the tail end, potentially, of a very nice uh, uh, cycle that we've all had. And everyone's a little concerned, hey, where are we? What's going to happen in the future? Well, we've been doing this show now for nine years, and I've had uh, several guests over those, over those years, and some of the guests have been uh, really interesting and very special to me. Well, please welcome Hugh Kelly. He's a principal with Hugh Kelly Real Estate Economics, and he's joining us here in Studio One to help us look at 2020 or to infinity mm. and beyond, <laughs> as they say in Toy Story. True enough. <laughs> well, I appreciate you being with us, and uh, congratulations on the uh, Landauer White Award from the Counselors of Real Estate uh, Lifetime Achievement Award. That's uh, that's that's special. Congratulations. It is it is very special. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a special uh, award, considering who is giving it. Mm -hmm. uh, but for me, it's particularly uh, special because I knew uh, Jim Landauer, uh, who was the uh, executive chairman of Landauer Associates when I joined it in 1978. And uh, John White, who was then, then the chairman uh, immediately after Jim Landauer and remained that until 1993. And I stayed at Landauer until uh, 2001. So uh, these were important people at the beginning of my career mm -hmm. uh, who pushed me in the direction uh, of, of studying economics and real estate and trying to find ways to make that knowledge useful. Yeah. Well, you've done a good job and, uh, you know, uh, he was a PhD, he's a CRE counselor and uh, his company, uh, Hugh Kelly Economics, is uh, uh, helps people with make big decisions uh, related to real estate. And, you know, um, one thing that I just kind of opened with is, you know, the cycle. It's been a mm -hmm. great cycle. Uh, I know you're heavily involved uh, with the ULI PwC Emerging Trends Report, so you've you've kind of got an inside look, if you will, at, at where we are and how long good times might last. And so, if you look in your crystal ball, <laughs> where are we? How long is it going to last? Is there a recession coming down the road or a downturn? And when when might it happen? You know, uh, forecasting is always hard. Especially when it's about the future, said Yogi Berra. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, and it's very foolish for any of us to think uh, that we become exempt from cycles. Uh, you know, cycles are one of the principal forms of change, uh, and uh, it's always the economy and the market trying to find uh, an equilibrium point and never quite staying there once it, once it arrives. Uh, and so uh, we overcorrect on the upside, we overcorrect on the downside. Uh, 
And while all of that is going on, and this is why I think emerging trends is such a valuable contribution, there are things that slice through the cycles that you know help shape the future. Uh, uh, so, you know, to, to answer your, your your question, I think we're in, in a period clearly of deceleration. Uh, the exact timing of uh, of, of the end of the cycle is a fool's errand. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, none of us can give a point estimate as to when that's, that's happening. But we can assess the strengths in the economy, we can assess the weakness of, of, uh, of the economy, and I'm particularly concerned about two things. One is that the de deceleration that we're seeing has some characteristics of being very persistent, lasting not for a year or two, but for 10. And uh, the second is kind of complacency. And, and back to the deceleration in a, in, for a moment, you mean in uh, GDP or what areas are you seeing it? Uh, you know, uh, certainly uh, uh, there's been a long period of deceleration, mm -hmm. uh, decade by decade by decade, mm -hmm. in the growth rate of the economy, the GDP mm -hmm. growth growth rate uh, uh, you know, for, for a variety of reasons. But uh, to see the Congressional Budget Office forecast uh, a decade of sub-2% GDP growth, I think is concerning. And then the second, this is demographically driven as much as anything else, to see, again, a long-term forecast where the average employment growth on a monthly basis is going to drop from what has been in the last five years or so, about 220,000 jobs per month on average, to less than 70,000 jobs per month on average. And for that not to come back to 200,000, but to stay down there is concerning to me. Yeah. And is that because we have such a, a tight job market? Uh, we have people with the wrong skills? Or is it really a, a sign of the economy? All of the above. Okay. All of the, the uh, uh, certainly, if you've got unemployment below 4%, and it used to be that 5% was considered full employment, mm -hmm. you know, the pool of people who are available is less. But the reason for that is, is more profound than just the unemployment rate. We're in a period now where more people leave the labor force because of retirement, mm -hmm. you know, then there are Gen Zs coming into the labor force, the small demographic cohort. So you, you know, in terms of our natural increase, and we're, we're at the point now where even our birth rate is below replacement level. Uh, so like Japan, like Europe, we face a declining uh, population left on our own without immigration. So I think that keeps uh, the momentum of the economy slower. It's, it's an anchor on, on, on that. And then, yes, absolutely, there's, there's a wide, wide division in terms of the skills that are needed for the 21st century economy and those that uh, uh, are the skills of people who have lost their jobs mm -hmm. in, uh, in the last 10, 10 years. I mean, think of, of, of Southern Ohio. Think of West Virginia. Uh, uh, now, increasingly, think of the farm belt, uh, uh, where 
that's an, uh, an industry, and it's a third of the land in the United States, that is very important to us, but needs less and less in the way of labor to produce the product that's needed. So you seeing some deceleration, um, you're expecting the, the cycle to change. Um, when you look at commercial real estate, um, if we are, I guess, when we have a downturn, mm. um, is, is real estate and commercial real estate a good place to be? I mean, we haven't had seemingly a lot of overbuilding like we've had in last. It doesn't seem like we have as much leverage uh, on some of these properties. Is, is, is commercial real estate a good place to be? There's an argument to be made for that. Yeah. Uh, uh, although, again, as I began to say, I think complacency can be an issue for us. Yes, it's true that in most property types, uh, uh, the supply side is not a major problem. That's certainly not true in retail. Yeah. Certainly not true in retail. I mean, we have uh, you know, uh, uh, three times the amount of retail space as the UK does per capita. We have 10 times as much as the European nations. You know, so, so we have too many stores. And, and that's why retail as an investment class is, is so in disfavor right now. Uh, and we're beginning to pump up multifamily building, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, particularly at the luxury end. You know, and so you're seeing some fragility in prices up there. But those are the exceptions rather than, than the rules. So yes, I think uh, that, that the supply-demand side of things as of today looks good. The risk that I see is that very few forecasts of future demand on which the pro formas of, uh, of investments are, are being made take into account that the rate of demand decelerates over, over time. And so uh, I think that that future income and the risk to future income from slower demand has not been factored into price. And so the words that we've heard for now five years that commercial real estate is price to perfection, mm -hmm. it's not so perfect anymore. And uh, when the investment community, be, and this is not just in real estate, this is in, in, in stocks as well, uh, factors in a period of, a long period of slower demand, I think that there is an adjustment in price coming, a downward adjustment in price. And that, uh, uh, you know, is obviously risk for those who are holding those investments. Uh, but it is an opportunity, a buying opportunity, once that pricing does, because it's not going to stop at equilibrium. <laughs> yeah. All right. So if uh, this is the top of the market and, and where your property is located and you want to sell, give me a call, right? Well, the, <laughs> well, well that's, I mean, that, that is a, yeah. a, another thing. Real estate is such a, such a wide and complicated industry mm -hmm. that uh, the, uh, uh, any time that there's, there's a transaction opportunity, uh, that is uh, that is income for somebody, yeah. uh, and it's a way to secure capital gains for those who time their 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 exit correctly, uh, and uh, it's also a chance for those who are skilled in structuring transactions, right, yeah. to say what are the particular needs of of, of the owner, mm -hmm. 
what's the particular needs of the tenant who's in the building, and how do I, as a service professional, create value? Yeah. That's, that's the difference between stocks and bonds and real estate. In stocks, you as an owner of the stock cannot create value. Right. But in real estate, you can create value, and that's that's an enormous difference and an enormous advantage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The strength of the sponsor and the and the management's important, and then the, the actual how the trade is set up. And it's interesting. I've been in the business for brokers for 35 years. My business has grown more in downturns and mm-hmm. in periods of equilibrium when people are looking at a little closer at what a broker actually does. We yeah. tend to grow. Uh, I don't want the market to go down, though. Believe me, I want the market to stay strong. Well, what does the things you've talked about so far mean for potential interest rates moving forward? You know, again, I I hate to be those two-handed economists, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, I I think the uh, moves of the Fed in the last six months to begin to have uh, a more accommodative monetary policy, not only in terms of the price of money, the interest rate, but in terms of the volume of money, in terms of releasing of, 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 of more reserves into the economy, has helped lengthen the cycle to some degree and cushion things. The bad news is that it uses up the Fed's dry powder for when a recession actually does hit. Yeah. Um, and recessions attack at the points of economic excess. And we've used, both through the, the tax cut bill of, uh, of 2017, then the budget, the deficit budget that was spent in economic good times, and now in monetary policy, We've used up a lot of the tools that we have that are counter-cyclical tools. And so there's less of an ability to uh, have you know, the, the, uh, the safety net under the economy. So I don't mean the social safety net, but the, uh, the policy safety net in terms of managing fiscal and monetary policy. We've, we've frayed that net, and I worry about that as a risk. Yeah, and that's that uh, can be uh, tough to consider and think about. Um, but when it, and the impact there, though, from what you're saying, is that we should not expect interest rates really to increase in, in the near future. That that is uh, not uh, not in the cards. I don't yeah. think. Yeah. If near future, you mean the next six to twelve months? Yeah. I think uh, I think not. You know, what would prompt the the, the Fed to do that? A surging economy. Yeah. And if the prospect is for a decelerating economy, you're not going to see the Fed pump the brakes yeah. on the deceleration. Yeah. You know, so my, ex- my expectation is that uh, uh, Chairman Powell and, and his colleagues pause things. The minutes of the last Fed meeting uh, said that there, were, uh, there was a significant minority opinion to even a, forestall the last interest rate decline. Uh, and I think that a, a wait and see posture, uh, particularly in an election year, the Fed does not like to make big changes yeah. during election years. Yeah. They want to be seen as independent if in fact, like human beings, they would feel 
you know, uh, uh, pressure, yeah. Uh, yeah. economic pressure, political pressure. You can't separate these things. They've, they would feel it, uh, feel it, but they don't need, necessarily need to act on it. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what maturity is all about, yeah. is that you don't act on every feeling that you have. <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't do that. Well, we're going to take a short break, and you know, when we get back, I want to ask you about some other things that could impact the economy and commercial real estate moving forward, including consumer confidence, uh, some of the mm -hmm. kind of the political uh, pushing and shoving going on, uh, and, and things uh, like tariffs, and then we'll uh, look briefly at some of the property types and sectors moving forward. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies, incredible training for commercial agents. Visit CommercialAgentSuccess.com. 